fuck, what number of episode is this? Four? Episode four. Um, episode four. Right, boys, episode four, Hoofhearted Podcast, game week one. Not quite in the bag. We've still got Chelsea away at Brighton. Still going on, 1-0 at half time. Uh, got a full panel today. Fraser, how are you? Yeah, good, mate. Good, mate. Glad the football's back. And uh, I have watched nearly every game, so been a pretty good start to the weekend or the week. Karen, Karen, how are you? Uh, it would have been better if I didn't sell Salah on Friday night, but otherwise good. <laughs> Ed, how are we, Ed? Hey, good, man. You can't win FPL in the first week, but you can definitely lose it. Well, yeah, let's start with that then, because, yeah, because an absolute, we'll, we'll not start with the earliest game, but we'll certainly start with the best game and maybe game of the season. Liverpool 4, Leeds 3, uh, Salah hat trick, Van Dyke got the other one, uh, Leeds, who got the goals for Leeds? Bamford, Harrison, Clitch, yep. pronouncing that right? Uh, yeah, amazing game, three big talking points in the game, obviously, Salah gets the hat trick, uh, Leeds turn out to be pretty bloody good um, and Liverpool's defence continues to look a wee bit dodgy Ed you're a Liverpool fan go and just talk us through the game just from a Liverpool point of view first of all and then maybe from a fantasy point of view because it was it was all go yeah I mean they didn't quite have control of it and some of it was quite sloppy at the back obviously the Van Dyke mistake Trent was clearly not much fit um, Leeds their players obviously play with confidence on the ball and they're happy to sort of bomb forward and you know Quite a lot of teams just won't be won't be ready for that. I mean, Liverpool at the end of the day did have a lot of lot of shots. They should have probably probably scored more. And the couple of Leeds goals were you know absolutely wonderful goals. Um, admittedly, one one or two of them could have could have been stopped if it wasn't for the mistakes. But yeah, great game to watch. And yeah, Salah had a great game. Robertson looked lively. Um, Liverpool midfield generally did all right. But yeah, it was pretty helter skelter. Yeah, and we've all got Salah, and I'm assuming we all captained him. But Karen, Karen, you didn't. You you took him out. What was no, it like watching that? Hellish. Uh, yeah, pretty hellish. Yeah, the the thinking was with Salah. I'd, I did have him and Oba in my team, but I knew a few transfers that I want to make in the next few weeks, and it was either Oba or Salah. And my thought was, well, Salah's got one easy game before he's got Arsenal, Chelsea. Oba's got two easy ones. So I'll keep over. And obviously that backfired massive. Yeah. Yeah, Fraser, what about you? You at one point, um, maybe four or five drafts before your final team had triple Liverpool defence at one point because you wanted to do a bit of playing around. Obviously, you you, uh, you went with a double. Obviously happy not to have gone the treble, although you would have got a goal from uh, from Van Dijk. But what we think in Liverpool defence then, Robbo looked um, pretty lively, looked on some set pieces. Like Ed said, Trent wasn't match fit, so we're we just not that annoyed about that. Did we just blast on and move on? Leeds are a good side. They're not going to play Leeds every week. Yeah, no, I thought, yeah, Robbo, Robbo was on set pieces. He was on both sides of corners. Um, but that might have just been because Trent's fitness. I don't know. He just looked totally out of the game. Ed made a good point sort of in the chat. I was saying that maybe the high press that Liverpool play might have suited them. But mm-hmm. it didn't really. I think they, they found quite a lot of space in behind Leeds. Harrison's goal was unbelievable. I think that's the boy on loan from Man City. Um, and I've put Klitsch has been on my watch list from the start of the season, pre-season, because I think he's on pens. So we'll we'll find that out as the season goes on. The only question I have about Liverpool is 
some shared in the chat group today was obviously Trent and Robbo didn't have Salah, but Robbo having Curtis Jones in his team was an interesting pick. Do we read too much into that, that Henderson's coming back? Is he going to be a more prominent player this season? Ed, over to you, I guess, as the in-house Liverpool man. And the only thing you read into that is that they're not very good at fantasy football. Um, <laughs> Robbo's, t- Robbo's team was all right, actually, apart from, I think, Curtis Jones, whereas Trent's was a bit of a bomb scare all round, I think. What do we think about Leeds in terms of some of the, you know, watching them, even watching a bit of Bamford last year, he's awkwardly priced and, you know, you, they, they look good. I have taken a gamble on the, the two fullbacks. I played one, got the wrong one in this week, lost a couple of points, but that's not the end of the world. I've gone for Ailing in Dallas. The midfield does look pretty decent. The worry, I guess, is that like most of Bielsa's teams, there isn't sort of one guy who looks yeah. like he's the attacking mid. They all just seem to bomb on, so... Do we just go? Clitch had one good game. No, well, Clitch had one good game in terms of returns. We're not getting that every week. Maybe let's just sit tight for now and see what happens. Or do we just go? Well, if you've got the transfer, you've got five and a half million. Maybe move on someone that's not impressed and bring in a guy like Clitch. I was quite taken with Leeds, just not from a fancy point of view. I think I'm going to wait and see for now. But as a team to watch, I thought it was really refreshing to see a team coming up to the championship and are really having a go. A lot of your teams that have come up recently, like your Sheffield United's or whatever, they just want to pack the bus and be really solid. But no, Leeds, yeah, sure, they're not scared of anybody, and I think they'll be a nuisance for a lot of teams. Yeah, no, absolutely agree. And now the second most popular um, captain pick, or actually the most popular captain pick, everyone was really, really big on Aubameyang. Um, Arsenal went away at Fulham. They were in the early kickoff. They won 3-0. They made sort of light work of it. Uh, Gabriel Lacazette surprisingly got a nod. Um, and yeah, Aubameyang got his goal uh, got booked though, so we didn't get any of the baps um, triple assist from Willian, which was interesting he went quite high in our draft league I suspect he wasn't on many people's regular game um, radar, but what, what do we think about Arsenal? Do we think they were that good and we're, we should be kind of keeping an eye out or are we thinking, well they beat Fulham and Fulham are terrible I think a lot of it was just, yeah, Fulham were a total bomb scare at the back uh, bit of a worry with Oba getting pushed out the out the left is a bit annoying when you captain him. Uh, yeah, I wasn't expecting Lacazette to play up top. Interesting thing for the game, I thought was Willian on absolutely everything. Yeah. So all corners, free kicks, you name it, he's probably going to be on pens as well. It might be something that he's had in his contract, but he's I know obviously he was taking them for Chelsea, so he might be taking some from Oba possibly. But yeah, he seemed to be on all the set pieces. So he's, he's somebody to keep an eye out for. Yeah, I'd agree with that in that he was on more, definitely more than I was expecting. Um, and also sort of kind of central to their play and their sort of build-up in that they were sort of getting in the ball. Um, pretty Coming in pre-season, eight million was a lot and I still think it is quite a lot. So I'm not worried about people sort of bringing him in. Um, but yeah, I guess he was one to watch. And the other thing about Lacazette is, yeah, if he does stay then, because I sort of thought, I still expect Nketiah to start up front, but as the season goes on, then obviously if Lacazette's not there, then Oba will play nine, you know, for some games. But if there's absolutely no chance of that, then yeah, it's not quite as good. Although, albeit him being pretty far forward. And it was one of those ones where, you know, that one in the Tottenham game, because I never started any Tottenham players in the end, and not starting with Saka, who I'd sort of been thinking about, you know, this game week I managed to like avoid like, you know, any like terrible mistakes. Yeah, and on um, Fulham, 
Fraser, you've got, um, I suspect, probably a few people in our league do. 23% of the game have got them, but Mitrovic didn't start. The chat seemed to be that this was a hangover from his international duties. He played quite a lot of minutes and they just wasn't, they just didn't want to risk him. He maybe wasn't 100%. How quickly are we jumping off a guy like Mitrovic if he's not getting right, you know, getting starts and Fulham look that bad? Or do we just go, well, if you I'm know, honest, Arsenal are a good team? I wasn't picking Mitrovic to score against Arsenal. Yes. Historically, Ropey at the back, kind of guy could have picked up a goal, but probably realistically, he was going to be a two-point waiting to happen in that game anyway, so not playing wasn't the end of the day. Uh, he was he was a bit involved when he came in, um, mm. but I don't think they had any real presence up top. Kamara just didn't really do it. I thought, um, I've also got Harrison Reid was my midfielder, 4.5, but didn't really do very much either. He's going to play, he'll probably play every game, so he's probably quite safe, 4.5 can have on my bench, but he won't score many points. The one that actually looked quite good was when he came on, wanted the ball, was Angisa. Uh, he was the guy that was on loan last season, a lot of talk about him at the 4.5. He is Fulham, so he's not going to get many returns. But Yeah, maybe keep an eye on him. Yeah, I've got... Well, they got Leeds, they got Leeds away next, and then, and then Villa at home, so, I mean... Well, I say leads away is an easier fixture. It might not necessarily be, but yeah, I suppose if you're riding someone like Mitrovic, you've probably got. Well, we'll get into transfers in a bit, but yeah, I suppose yeah, I've got, got I've got a plan for him at the moment, so I'll maybe talk a bit more about that on the transfers anyway. Yeah, sounds good. All right, last game on that day was uh, not the last game of the day, actually. Sorry, the other game, uh, and in between those two, I think was uh, Palace one Southampton nil. Bit of a kind of a uh, bit of a dance squib. We knew. Palace were going to be pretty boring, pretty stodgy. Zaha got the gig up front, scored the goal, had one disallowed. Southampton were sort of the kind of hipster's choice for most people who play the game kind of semi-seriously. They, you know, they had five shots in target, but didn't look great. Um, do we just boil this down to an early season one-off game and it's not the end of the world? Or are we looking if you've got a guy like maybe an Ings, like a Walker-Peters, McCarthy was popular... Are we worried about that from a Southampton point of view? And also, I guess, anyone who, and as someone who's owned Zaha in the past, are we tempted by that, playing up front? If he, Yeah, if he plays up top, he's a very tempting, op- he's a very tempting option. Uh, I think signing uh, Batshuayi will probably kill off that. Um, but from a Southampton point of view, as somebody who went triple Southampton, two at the back, I've got McCarthy, Walker-Peters, a uh, scary moment with the red card, but It'd have been a harsh red. Um, but then if you look at Walker Peters' stats, he basically had the ball a lot and a lot mm. up front. Ings was quite quiet, a couple of shots on target, didn't score, but quite quiet. And I actually thought Che Adams looked quite busy, uh, wanted to get involved and probably does warrant the start ahead of a Shane Long or an Obafemi in that second striker role. Yeah, and he got 85 minutes as well, which was huge. Like, I, as an owner, I was really happy with that. I, you could throw a blanket over both. I mean, Southampton had like 10, 15 minutes about the start. And you just thought, yeah, they're just going to dominate this game. And then they sort of fell away a bit. Um, I think Palace, though, I think Zaha might stay up front because Roy's preferred sort of formation is just like 4-4-2, super defensive. And I think once they integrate easily into the team, or as a, mm. I think it might be that they... You know, they have him. I mean, they could play 4-3-3 and have Zaha on either side of Batshuayi. But I could see Zaha 4-4-1-1-1, maybe. But 
yeah, he's a good pick. And the fact that he's in midfield again is is good. So if they have a decent run of games, which at the moment they obviously don't. Yeah. Not that that matters because they play counter-attacks. So. Yeah, I think you make a good point with Easy there. Uh, he's good. He'll do the kind of running and the out-ball that Zaha currently does. So Zaha is currently trying to do the out-ball and score the goals for us now. If you've got two options, instead of just getting Zaha marked out of the game, then you've got at least two. Yeah, and it was almost like Zaha needed to have himself in the middle to pass to as well. He spent basically the last season and a half trying to get the ball to strikers who can't score goals. I mean, if we go back to Southampton, we're looking at what? Tottenham at home, Burnley away, West Brom at home. Like, we've still got those really, really good fixtures. So unless you've got absolutely nothing to patch up, um, then I'm assuming that we're sort of quite happy with that. But is the concern, I guess, one of the reasons I didn't pick Danny Ings I, one of the big things I decided not to do maybe two seasons ago was I was happy to pick guys who maybe had more injuries because I realised, well, I can just transfer them out if he gets an injury. But we were a bit worried, you know, and it's not all resting on things, which we're happy about to an extent. But, of course, we're not happy about that from a fantasy point of view because we would ideally like everything to go through Danny Ings. Yeah, I've got Shea and... And Nottings, and I've got Walker Peters and McCarthy at the back. I mean, I wasn't too bothered in that Walker Peters won't play every game for me going forward. Like, they didn't look great at the back, but as Fraser said, Walker Peters actually looked very promising. He's, he's more than happy to sort of just run with the ball and cut inside and sort of look for people. So I'm more than happy to hold them. As far as like the players that I'm most concerned about, it is my sort of fringe players, which is Shea, Mitrovic and St. Maximan. But mm. for their value, I'm not in a rush to, to get rid of any of them particularly no. as Adams and Mitrovic both have sort of good fixtures coming up. Yeah, fair point. I mean, talking about some Maximan, I, w- I watched the um, probably about the first hour of the Newcastle-West Ham game. So that was West Ham now, um, Newcastle 2, Wilson and Hendrick both on the score sheet. Uh, Kevin, you said Callum Wilson's probably going to be the most annoying pick of the season because you're either not going to have him and he's going to score or you're going to get him in when he's on a bit of a run and he's going to do nothing. Um I was quite impressed by it. I was quite impressed with Newcastle generally. It was a boring game. West Ham aren't a great side, but they, they I thought they looked looked the better team. They contained them quite well and they looked pretty solid. Yeah, Wilson, uh, when he's played for Bournemouth, quite often he'd be really quiet for a lot of the game and then just pop up with a goal or just fade out the game. But I thought with the Newcastle game, he was pretty central to everything. Uh, he did a good job holding it up. Okay, yeah, West Ham aren't great at the back, but I thought he... Yeah, on, on the whole, I thought you did a good debut. Looked really good. Pretty yeah, I solid. Guess, I guess that's the thing, like not to jump to too many conclusions because by all accounts, West Ham were pretty bad. But I've just been very impressed by Newcastle's signings as far as plugging gaps that they had in their team and, and Everton as well. Like I was a bit down on Rodriguez last week, but their, their signings in midfield and just chucking them all in and then playing that well was just, just incredible. Um, yeah, the first thing not... I thought on uh, Newcastle was I just thought they're just going to win a lot of games against bad teams because they don't they're not bad really in any way they've you know I know Darlow's in at the moment but they've got a good regular goalie left back Aaron's look good he's cheap for fantasy he's four and a half they're pretty solid they get good midfielders now suddenly they've got a decent striker who can run channels hold the ball up and so Maximan's a wee bit of an x-factor Almiron runs all day yeah they look quite solid I mean the big disappointment I guess is how poor West Ham were because that's not a must-win, but you don't want to start the season losing at home at Newcastle. Yeah, especially with their fixtures. I think as well, Newcastle have shown before that under Rafa, they're happy to park the bus, so they've got all guys. They're not great defenders, but they can work as a team and 
just shut the shut the door against anybody. But now they've got a bit of pace and an out ball, and yeah, under Wilson they've got a striker. So yeah, I think they could have a decent season and get away from the relegation spot a wee bit. Yeah, so I think certainly worth keeping an eye on, especially when the fixtures sort of turn. Um, now this was one of my favourite things that I saw. Moving on to uh, West Brom Leicester, this was from a guy uh, on. Reddit, Hassam Kamal, 92. Jamie Vardy's game week one, zero penalty box touches from open play, zero shots from open play, 15 touches all game, fewer than West Bromwich Albion sub, Rakeem Harper, 13 FPL points. Now, that is a man who's just a fantasy slut. I mean, I, I was out at the park with my kids. I was chatting away to another person who didn't own him, and we were going, do you know what? Nil, nil, games maybe dragging on. And then, boom, 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 that's all Vardy needs. Two penalties, two goals. And uh, all those Justin owners would have been delighted as well with the clean sheet and the assist. Not quite sure what I make of Leicester. I guess, it, again, it's one of those questions a bit like the Arsenal situation. We can't get maybe too excited, especially because Vardy's so expensive. But, Kieran, you own Vardy, obviously delighted with him. But um... I was watching the game. I didn't think he was going to do anything at all. Uh, yeah, really quiet game from him. Definitely not worth his £10 million, but... At the same time, he's returned 13 points. So, yeah, I can't really grumble at the end. I think I for me, West... oh, sorry, go. as a non-owner, I think the, the Justin clean sheet and assist was more more frustrating just because I don't think Justin was a great pick, although West Brom just did nothing whatsoever going forward. And the other thing was I had a bet on, I was using the fan team £30 bonus under 2.5 goals in that game and under 2.5 goals in the Spurs-Everton game. And that, was like a cinch and that and that one I turned it on I hadn't looked at it and it was 65 minutes gone and it was you know one nil Leicester and then I started sort of watching it or reading the commentary and it was saying our oh, Leicester got a bit of impetus now that they've actually got a goal and I was like well it'll, it'll still be fun there's only like 20 minutes left and then two pens so it's more <laughs> frustrating from that respect yeah another interesting one I mean I don't I don't know I guess that the other problem we've got with guys like that or sorry, sorry Leicester really is that even if they do go on a wee bit of a run and they have a reasonable start to the season, um, they're sort of priced at the opposite end of, uh, you know, they're, they're priced up there with guys like Tottenham because they had a really good season last year. So if you want to get in in defence, you might have to get someone like Justin who might get dropped at some point or you're going to have to pay 10.5 to get Vardy. And, well, I mean, you know, we're not seeing anything massively concerning that price bracket yet. But I thought it was, for me, I think the positive from Leicester was they started really poorly. Indeed, he is not a centre-half. He is looked so bad at the back, it was unbelievable. But I, you've got to think, yes, it was West Brom. But very quickly, they knew what to do. Leicester adjusted, changed their system mm. slightly. Um, I thought Barnes would have played a lot wider. Same with Perez. They actually played quite narrow. And I don't think Castagna and Justin both got past a lot more than I thought they would which I think caused West Brom, they just didn't know which way to go. And that really troubled West Brom. Pryet got more sort of Pratt or whatever they call it. He, oh, yeah. he was getting involved quite a lot. And I think he might be the one that gives away for Madison. And if he gets, Madison gets the same space that Pryet got or Pratt or whatever you call him, mm. he actually could be an asset at 7 million, but he didn't look, he looked okay when he came on, but I don't think he's yet. I think it's definitely it was a popular pick last year. I mean, they went on a good run. He was on free kicks and he had banged in a few from distance. I think they're, they're probably one to watch. I mean, I, I wouldn't be going too near them, but I guess segueing on to the next game, maybe the reason we're not massively desperate to bring in any Leicester was Spurs now, Everton won, Calvert-Lewin got the goal. 
apart from a few missed chances from Spurs, I watched um, kind of the bulk of the second half. Ali had missed a chance. Docker had, I say missed a chance, you know, Pickford made a good save from Docker and it looked like there was a few chances for Spurs on the break. Once Everton took a bit of control of that game, oh my word, James is a star. Richarlison, if he'd have been a wee bit cleaner and a wee bit crisper, could have put them to the sword. And then Calvert-Lewin's goal from Dina, who two years ago was in the top of everyone's watch list for preseason. Awful season last year. I mean, is this it? Is this this is the team that we need to be picking up these kind of rotation or slightly cheaper guys from? They look they look great. I think the midfield, yeah, made a massive, massive difference. Uh, Alan Dakuri and as you said, Hamas, the three of them just totally bossed that midfield. Like it's yeah. it's a fairly a fairly kind of involved, uh, hard tackling Spurs midfield, and yeah, they just got totally outplayed. Uh, I thought the Curry looked really good, just bombing on, controlled the controlled everything. Him and Alan just totally organised everything. And I think, yeah, just a bit of experience in the middle of the park gave confidence for like say Rasharlisons and DCLs and whatever to just to just go on and express themselves. I mean they've just got such a great balance. They've just sort of parachuted in those players and they just seem to all click. Like um Alan, they really needed because they basically well, they, when they lost Adrissa Gay a couple of seasons ago, they basically didn't replace him. So he seems like ready-made fit there. And then Takure can basically do everything, like box to box. And they've got the other sort of more ball-playing, sorry, I forget the name of the guy. Oh, Gomez. Go, yeah, in the middle as well. And then, so yeah, we're talking about Rodriguez before. I ended up bringing him to one of my fan team teams because he's actually quite competitively priced in that one. But he, he reminded me a bit of Ozil. He just seemed to have like unlimited time on the ball. He was just drifting inside, just getting the ball... I mean, this might, partly might have been Spurs, like, you know, him obviously finding good spaces and Spurs not picking him up. But every time I saw him, he just, he'd get the ball and he just, like De Bruyne, he'd just play like the right pass, right weight on it and set people up. And he's, so the other interesting thing is, I, I remember bringing in Dean for draft and then thinking, oh, that's a terrible mispick because James is going to be on absolute everything. But I mean, he's, he's not on all, um, obviously, corners and not all, free kicks and, and all that sort of stuff. So it'll be interesting to see exactly how many points Hammers plays and it, you know how far forward he gets, he pushes forward and how many shots and stuff he gets off. Like I'm not saying, he, he wouldn't be like the first person I would, I'd be interested in. It'd probably be Calvert-Lewin or Richarlison. But um, yeah, I was impressed. And, um, and Dean, yeah, Dean looks, I think he's still slightly overpriced at six, but given that he is still getting set pieces and he's, He's sort of bombing on and also getting into space and getting picked out by hammers and stuff. It's it's looking. I'm just really impressed by Everton. So I was really impressed with DCL. Uh, I thought last season, uh, post restart, he was absolutely awful, totally shot in confidence. But he yeah, looks like a, a new striker. Uh, yeah, can hold the ball up. He's maybe put on a put on a bit of muscle. He's, he looks a bit more solid, kind of holding it up as well. He's been all this kind of running behind. Yeah, look full of confidence. I was looked a bit like um, like Kane. I thought thinks he looks like when he you know when Kane has a poor game, he 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 really looks like he's not involved at all. Cavalton looked really physical, really you know running channels, really picking up stuff. And yeah, his header was fantastic. Yeah. How disappointed would you be picking? I was very close to going to. I had Son originally, then I went to Ali, then I just kiboshed the whole thing and went to Havertz. Are we would you be jumping off Spurs assets already? Because we one of the things we do know is that. They're never going to change if it's a Mourinho team. And either one or two things is going to happen. They'll bed down and they'll keep playing this dodgy football, hoping to get it right. And they've got good players, so they could turn it. 
or do we just think, like always happens with every single Mourinho team, it's going to turn sour at some point, everyone's going to start throwing the toys at the pram and they're going to be absolutely toxic? I think it's the goals, is the issue is that, you know, if they go a goal up or two goals up, then Mourinho is just like, you know, defend the game. But they, they, they also seem lacking in a bit of creative spark. And I think part of the reason why Ali got hooked is because there was a sort of disconnect between, you know, the defence and the attack. And, you know, I guess Marina thought he was too far forward and not linking the play. Like, I was sort of surprised he didn't just say to Ali, just drop a bit deeper and try and, you know, add a bit of defensive cover and, and just try and pick the ball up. Um, the, the one counter thing to that is that a lot of people that started with Spurs players had them as placeholders. So really... You shouldn't be yeah. too worried about shipping them out. One I guy think... I was close to having was Dockery. Uh, I think I'd be annoyed, obviously, if I'd spent six million and didn't get my clean sheet from him. But I thought he looked really good, fitted well into that Spurs team, got, got forward quite a lot, had a couple of shots, uh, linked up well with Kane and so on. So I think, yeah, he's on, he's on for a good season. We can't expect that anyway. But he, yeah, he fitted really well into the team. Yeah, I yeah, think I'm anyone sure. picking a right back is going to have a guy having shots in the box who's going to be delighted one way or the other, right? And they were obviously trying to do that. He just he was bombing on pretty semi regularly, right? He yeah, was, and could. that's that's kind of what I was going to say is that I actually thought it was from a, from a right back. It was a pretty poor performance because Dina and Richarlison found so much space because he was never there. He literally was never there. Now, he's not got the same protection as Foley, sat behind him, just tucking in. And Hoiberg had the debut to forget, just didn't really do very much. There was nobody kind of covering Doherty when he went on those runs. And I think his rotation with Aurier, I think in his post-match interview, Mourinho has basically said, I'm going to rotate them. They've got a game on Tuesday, a game on Thursday, then a game on Sunday. He's only got two right-backs. Doherty he also criticised the fitness of the players and specifically Doherty, I think. And I think that was partly due to the fact that he expects them to get up and down more. But clearly, Aurier is a much fitter than, than Doherty. So not expecting that. And obviously, Doherty's used to playing as part of a back five. So it's, it's different in that respect. He doesn't have as much defensive responsibility. Yeah, no, a bit of an odd one. Um, I guess kind of keep, keep an eye on that. I mean, Spurs do have quite a lot of games, so they're going to have to rotate regardless. A team that doesn't have a massive amount of games this year will be Wolves, who are not in the Europa League. They, um, they won 2-0 away at Sheffield United. Jimenez and Seiss with the goals. Um, we talked about this on one of the pods where we thought that, you know, like we all know Jimenez is just a great option. Um, we talked him up, playing for a good team. Did, has anyone picked him? No. I, I I thought about he was he was close to getting a shout, but no, I took him as one of my high picks in draft because uh, yeah I know what he can do, but I just couldn't fit him in with what I want to do transfer wise. Yeah, yeah, I thought could, with the preseason pod you were you were definitely could have him in your starting lineup, Karen. Yeah, hundred percent. I'd have put money on it. It was close. Uh, I mean, yeah. it was probably hard at one. It's not. It's not like it was a terrible pick. What do we think about Wolves then for this season? These certainly, I suppose, the most the more interesting is the um, is the, is the backline guys, and um, is it Prodens who played up front as a kind of like in that makeshift three that they sort of play where they play two off Jimenez? Yeah, Prodens was straight to the top of the watch list. It's just that issue about him getting rotated or or getting hooked off. Like I, I picked Traore quite high in draft because I just thought this season, even if he might play right wing back, he ended up playing up front by the end of it. But I just feel like Traore is going to end up playing a lot more 
minutes this season because he's kind of central to how they play. But yeah, Podence at 5-5 five, five, if he gets regular starts is absolutely massive. Obviously, Saiz and Fraser, I think, picked up on the fact that Saiz was getting forward a lot and whether or not, you know, because Marcel is a bit more defensive that, you know, they may be able to alternate a bit like, a bit like how Sheffield United do with their sort of overlapping centre-backs. It's almost like how Tierney does for um, Arsenal. Arsenal. Yeah, he gets he manages um, to get forward, but there isn't that person. Obviously, with Arsenal, Xhaka drops back into the back three, and it's maybe just Marcel. Just or Marcel, he just comes in because Zeiss had one, should have probably got another when he scalped the bar and had another good chance. So no, I think he potentially could have had a hat trick tonight. And Sheffield United, yes, they came onto a bit of a game at the end. But at that point, I think Wolves were quite comfortable. And I think that Vinagre, the hipster pick, doesn't, didn't get on. I think that's pretty much nailed yeah. that. There'll be a lot of 4.5s that are now needing a transfer there. Do yeah, we all avoid not, that pick? It's another one of those, like, you know, I didn't have, haven't had an amazing week, but I've not had any sort of little things like that, that you know, mistakes. There's that one. I guess the other one would be if you start with Ramsdale. So it doesn't feel quite so good if he's just sort of set and forget keeper. Yeah, I mean, that's the other thing, I guess, is Sheffield United, we, we, they got the price bump and all the guys are sort of five and above and the only really attraction to them is that they can keep clean sheets. Now, obviously, Wolves are a kind of, you know, top seven, top eight team. They're, they've got a way to fill in next. You would hope that you would be okay sticking. I mean, I can't imagine, I suppose, like Ed said, what we're looking for at the moment is mistakes. So if you've picked a guy like Egan um, or Baldock or any of the kind of big guys at the back, you just got to ride that for a few weeks because you didn't pick them. Yeah, that's my clean at home to Wolves, right? Exactly. That's my only. If you look at my backline, my only you'd say semi mistake, and it's only because in the previous draft I was flicking between Jamal Lewis at uh, Newcastle and Egan, and I wasn't certain that Lewis was going to come straight into the starting lineup. He did. Yeah. He played brilliant. He got a lot of crosses. It's one of those ones that actually. He could be he's one I'm going to keep watching with Newcastle. But no, I've got Egan. I think he's probably still an okay pick. I think between him and Saiz, I think it was like they're the two, I guess Deer, if you really wanted the Tottenham player, they were the two sort of standout five million options. And Sheffield United's opening fixtures seem slightly kinder than Wolves. So that's sort yeah. of understandable pick to start off with. Although I think probably misdiagnosed that matchup a little bit in that Sheffield United sort of Alan in the chat was saying started to drop off and they, the wheels were kind of fell off after project restart and then yeah it'll be interesting to see if they what exactly what their form is going to be like um whereas Wolves no Europa seem like they're on the on the up even after you know last season's impressive performance so yeah Sheffield United is a funny fixture I guess because uh, you know when you play them you, if you've got a defender playing against Sheffield United, you're not too terrified. They're not going to score a bucket of goals. They were awful going forward last year, but they were just so good defensively. And yeah, maybe that drop off is maybe a bit of second season syndrome as well, brings them back into the middle, kind of lower half pack. And they're probably, well, I mean, they're certainly worth keeping for the kind of short term. The, the um, what have we got next? Villa away, Leeds at home, Arsenal away is tricky, Fulham at home. Um, and that gets you sort of five half-decent game weeks before they start getting really terrible fixtures where you might want to jump off. But, yeah, I think I think the other thing that a lot of people had said that, you know, if the guys that I'm seeing on Twitter who are all celebrating Sice and his, you know, huge haul today was someone, most people who wanted something from Wolves wanted a, probably a defender or Jimenez. 
and Sice was the easy one to get if you wanted to pay five because you knew you would play. Um, I mean, he's the, he's the big defender, really, that scored this week. Like, no one's going to have Cast, Castanier, really. And, or Gabriel. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. I, and even few because, because of yeah. the, the team leaks coming out later. Um, so that, that was the popular pick that's actually done well because, really, there weren't a lot of clean sheets across the board. Like, Robertson chipping no. in with just four points is actually pretty decent. Yeah, you mentioned Castagna there. I was quite taken with him for the for the Leicester game. He was up and down and getting forward a lot. Okay, he's playing West Brom, but okay, five and a half, maybe a bit expensive. But for somebody who's bombing on that much, if he keeps that going, he's going to be worth a watch, I think. Yeah, and I think that's the thing about, I'll definitely have Leicester players in. I don't think they're great value, but I think maybe him or Pereira, when they get all of their players back, or Madison, when they're a proper full-strength team, then then it's time to jump on rather than now when they're still short. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, bandwagon then. Is the bandwagon this week that, that we're looking to dump players? I mean, Ed, you've already said you're not making any transfers. We can segue away this into transfer chat. but Yeah, I think the main thing is, well, one thing is don't worry about who other people are bringing in. Look at your own squad. And like, if there's players that you think aren't going to perform, then that's actually, you know, more of a priority than looking at the sort of hot new thing and then trying to work out how to bring bring them. I mean... Before the season started, I was like, right, I'm going to... Yeah, that's a screamer. Um, I'm going to... That's, that's how far behind I am on the, on the lag. Um, I'm going to happily make a transfer after game week one. I'm not going to just do this, like, wait for game week three and then do a double transfer or do three transfers. If I see something in game week one, then I'll do it. And to be honest, the, the closest thing I am to doing that would be to make a double transfer and take a hit to take out either Shea or Mitrovic, probably Mitrovic, for... DCL, but they, as I say, Adams and Mitrovich both have good good fixtures, so I'm not I'm not desperate to do that. Um, and the main thing with these transfers is that if people really want Man U assets or they have a predefined plan, then they're going to bring them in. I'm not desperate to bring in Man U players. I'm happy to see how they play, particularly if they end up changing how they play. If they do play a diamond, and for example, it ends up being Rashford and Martial up top, then that actually might change, you know, how how I think about things. So, yeah, my plan is to not make any transfers, but it's all tied into the idea of, do I think I'm going to wildcard early? Because if I do, then I probably should be a bit more proactive with making transfers and maybe do something like Salah out for Bruno um, just because Salah's next couple of games aren't great. But my, my, Dane, my main thing, and I still haven't sort of got to the bottom of it, is... I'm pretty sure I actually just want to have Salah and KDB like pretty much all season. Everyone's talking about, yeah, swap your big hitters, but I really want to still have two big hitting players. And if I take out Salah for Bruno this week and Aubameyang for KDB next week, then in like a, another week's time, I want Salah back, which will basically mean I can't make any other transfers in my team and I have to find the money back. But the, that extra 1.5 million downgrading to Bruno is actually really nice because it means like, I could upgrade St. Maximan to um, to Foden or I could upgrade Mitrovic or Adams to, to DCL. So that, that one million is relevant, but I'm worried that I wouldn't actually be able to get off Fernandez after that. And there are other options at Man U to get exposure that are cheaper. So the other one I was looking at was Werner out for Martial. But, and I kind of like that because I already have a Chelsea player. That was always an option, but see, everything depends on this Chelsea game. But Werner's looked has looked pretty bright. He's sort of looked as as expected, sort of playing on the last defender. Um, 
Yeah, I guess we're more concerned about position right now than absolute results straight up. And if we've got decent fixtures, we're sticking. Although, I don't know. What are you guys thinking? Karen, you don't have Salah at the moment. You've got a different um, formation, basically. Fraser's the same. I think what are you thinking the, about the big hitters coming in? I think the transfers thing, like I say, is a, a bit of a kind of false one because, like you said, so many folk have got just placeholders at the minute. Uh, not really decided. I was going to see how the rest of the Chelsea game looks. Uh, always going to try and leave it at least 24 hours after the games are finished. Have a think about it and not kind of do rash transfers. So, yeah, uh, nothing kind of set in stone at the minute, but just have a think over, over it. Chris, what are you thinking? You've got, um, so you've I, got a 4-3-3, right? Yeah, I, so I made, I've been quite quiet on this. I made my transfer at... Uh, <laughs> 11.37 on this. I was always going to do that. I thought there'd be a lot more movement on the Man United assets and Ings. So my draft always had Ings not in it and yeah. Martial on my bench to save a transfer. And I thought I might as well just put Ings in and upgrade him to Martial. And that was always the plan. So I did that as soon as I could. Yeah. And yeah, I've made that pretty quick. Um, I've kind of mapped out or where I'd like to think it will go for the first few weeks. So following that plan, um, I suppose we're talking about into next week. I'm tempted to go Salah again. I might go Martial against Crystal Palace. I might go Vardy against Burnley. I know I said in the, the pre-season pod that my most annoying player would be Vardy. And that kind of played on my mind. So he got in a reshuffle in sort of last couple of, last couple of days to be in my team. He is there first week, next week, and he will probably find his way out for City. And well, I guess this is the this. thing. What, what does everyone think about this? I'm sitting looking at my team right now, and my initial idea was basically to do what Ed said, which was maybe to be a wee bit of rotation around the premiums. And the only thing I think I need to fix is I've got a million in the bank. I've got a Tony Watt front. I watched West Ham, and they look terrible. I don't, they've got awful fixtures coming up. It was going to be a one-week punt. Um I'm going to move him to Calvert-Lewin. Uh, I think then the idea is what Ed said, which would be probably Aubameyang becomes KDB. And then I can maybe tweak the other thing, but so much of this seems to be predicated on everyone's team being perfect out with those things. And I yeah. imagine that everyone else is looking and going, well, you know, if I've got an extra million and I've got some maximum, he could become Foden, or I could downgrade Trent and upgrade blah, 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 and, and your brain starts doing those sort of, sort of things because not everyone's looking at their team and going, and I imagine everyone's roughly on the same boat here. If you either had Salah and not many of your other players have returned hugely, or you didn't have Salah and you've maybe got two or three who returned quite well, and you've maybe got a bit of a better spread point, but I don't think anyone's looking at their 11 and going, God, I absolutely nailed it in game week one. I'm sitting pretty. I think there's two things. One, I think that's just a great transfer because Antonio, you know, does get shunted out wide when Haller comes on. It's not clear if he will start number nine. West Ham have terrible fixtures and DCL's next four fixtures are insane. And like, I just think he benefits from Everton's midfield being so much better. I think that was the key yeah. post-restart in that they just couldn't create anything for him. Um, so yeah, that that seems like a slam dunk if you have no other issues with your team. I, I don't think I have issues with my team, assuming that Mitrovic actually starts game if he doesn't and that's that's a big problem but it's not enough of a problem to, to transfer out now and admittedly I don't have anything in the bank so there's nothing I could easily do there there's no six million unless that I'm desperately want like 
you know, we were talking about Bamford before, but I think he'll eventually get replaced by Rodrigo once he gets used to the system. Yeah, and I guess the other thing that jumped out from game week one is, you know, we all think Leeds are quite good, but obviously they're super attacking, is we maybe all, I certainly, there was a lot of discussion about picking Salah and Karen Ke- uh, were a wee bit down on Salah because he, he's the end of the season. He didn't look great in pre-season. He was pretty quiet in the charity shield. I'm not 100% convinced I would have picked him unless all of the Man United and Man City people were out and they had Leeds at home in the first day. So that's a bit of a gimme. And watching that game live, I just thought, this looks like 30 goals a season, Salah, yep. where he's on penalties, he's sharp as balls. I mean, he was getting on the end of everything and looked super lively. So maybe we just don't, un- we don't complicate it and we don't make him a rotational guy. We go, it's Mo Salah. We know minimum he's probably getting somewhere around 240. We're just hoping he's going to get up to that 300. Yeah, I thought he looked really good. Uh, obviously, took his penalty as well. Uh, he's not going to get two penalties every week, but I thought, every yeah, he just looked generally sharp, a lot sharper than he has in pre-season and in the Community Shield. I thought Manny was totally anonymous, and it totally makes a mockery of his £12 million price tag. He, he had, he had a couple of anyway. chances where he sort of had the ball in good areas and, you know, was almost one-on-one and just didn't quite make the right decision. I don't know. I just didn't think he could... He didn't seem to be involved or near as interested as what he normally does. He's, he's normally looking pretty sharp, but yeah, I thought he was, he was pretty poor. The thing about Salah is he's also, he is a little bit of a confidence player. And Mm. a lot of people are like, yeah, maybe this is a Liverpool bias coming in a bit here, but I totally agree with you, Paddy, in that a lot of people are like, yeah, you've bad the the points, now get him out for Bruno or whoever, um, you know, and hopefully sort of play the fixtures better. But for me, the fact that he's got that hat trick, the fact that he's like, right, you know, (laughs) the golden boot's mine to lose sort of thing. Um, I think going to that next game with absolute bags of confidence and he'll I mean he was actually passing quite a lot to Manny but I think he'll just be sniffing out you know anything and that was sort of what I was hoping for this season as a Liverpool fan and just you know in FPL is that yeah I don't there's no reason why he can't get 300 points get the 25-30 goals yeah I I guess so what does everyone think about captain wise then because I guess the other question is Fraser you kind of alluded there about you know what what do we do if game week two maybe you leave it on him because he's so hot and the other sort of gimme I think was again I wasn't super hot on Obama Yang as a 12 million pound midfielder but I wanted those two because at some point I probably wanted them to come Bruno and KDB although it looks like it'll be yes Sal and KDB but game week two West Ham looked absolutely terrible. Is is Aubameyang the slam dunk? Do we just take that and run with it? Because, you know, West Ham are rubbish and Aubameyang's probably the best choice. Or um, do we do we want to go Salaway at Chelsea? Although it might be a tricky game, although they're a bit dodgy at the back. And yeah, West I think Ham, I know, think Aubameyang is the clear wide. captain pick. I know a lot of people are bringing in Bruno to captain him. I think we've probably not talked enough about how over-expectation Palace were in that, you know, Hodgson could have like 11 training cones and still sort of grind out a nil-nil. So, you know, I would, yeah. I'd, I'd be surprised if, if Man U turned them over, even though they'll be really pumped and they've got the new signings and everything. But then that's sort of why I want to actually see them first and see how the game plays out um, before I start bringing in their players. And that was pretty much us, guys. We uh, obviously didn't, Cover the Chelsea game, it finished 3-1. None of the big boys really showed up. Werner um, got an assist, but Jorginho, Reese James, if you got him as a cheap defender, obviously did the bizzle. And um, 
Kurt Zuma got a deflection. Bit dodgy at the back. They uh, conceded from Trossard, who might be a wee bit of an option. He played uh, played at the advanced bit of the midfield. Lamptey got the assist. Lamptey looks good. Yeah, maybe when better fixtures crop up. But that was pretty much us. We had a bit of a nonsense chat that descended into draft talk, which wasn't that interesting. And we'll try and do more league updates when we get closer to a monthly. But big shout out to Adrian McAllister. Week one, smashed it. Top of the league already. And um, he didn't even have... Uh, Salah as his captain so just goes to show you uh, we'll be back next week with another pod and uh, we will be looking at how game week 2 went see you later